0: Are we here? Why are we here? Sometimes maybe we come to church because of our connections, because of our friendships. There maybe uh, we come to church, of course, because we want to be fed, we want to worship together, we want to encourage one another in the faith. But I want to dig a little bit deeper in that and look at a number of scriptures today. Why are we here? But let me begin with a prayer that I often pray—a very short prayer. And it is, Father, help me to step aside and allow your word to speak to each one of us. In Jesus Christ's precious name, amen. Why are we here? This is a question for all of our churches that I'd like us to continue to ask in our journey. Why are we here? This passage that I want to begin with is in Matthew twenty-eight, sixteen to 20. And it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mount to which Jesus had directed them. And when he saw him, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The Great Commission. It is in line, or rather we are in line with the Great Commission with our national vision statement, and it is we celebrate every time a disciple makes a disciple and a church multiplies itself until there is the transforming presence of, of Jesus Christ in every community throughout Australia. This is our desire. This is our heart cry to see that transforming presence of Christ in every community in our country. John Wesley said, you have nothing to do but to save souls. Therefore, therefore spend and be spent in this work and go not only to those that need you, but to those that need you most, to those that need you most. A while ago, I think it was two years ago, I was on the other end of the uh, world. I was over at the International Conference of the Wesleyan Church, and now we have a 100 countries that the Wesleyan uh, Church is in around the world. And the theme of the conference that came out to us is from everywhere to everywhere. I think about that today, and I think about COVID you know, from everywhere to everywhere. But that wasn't the um, the gist of what they were talking about. What they wanted from us t- is to see not missions just coming from, say, the Western quarters, but from every place. Every place where we have a presence to be seeing that from there that we would be reaching out to other places from everywhere to everywhere. And this is in line with the statement that uh, God has laid upon our heart, the the Missio Dei, which is a Latin term of sending sending of God, and it dates back hundreds of years. The heart of the church centres on the mission of God. It is on the redemptive story. However, to get to this core, people must thoroughly examine the redemptive story. It is a theme that runs throughout Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation. It's not just found in the New Testament, it's throughout the Scriptures. It is in the story of Noah. And Noah building the ark, and while he was building that ark for those many years, he was proclaiming and calling people to repentance. It is the story that was read to us earlier of Jonah being sent to Nineveh, even though he didn't want to and God's heart for them, that they would turn around. It is the story of the potterer in Jeremiah 18, where God wants to fashion his people, where God wants to mould his people, where God wants to shape his people to be the people that he wants us to be. It is the story of the prodigal son, the son that went off and did his own thing and turned his back on his father, And then came back in humility, but his father saw him in a distance and ran to him and embraced him and welcomed him back. It is a story of the conversion of Paul who killed those that were, um, persecuted those that were um, proclaiming the message of Christ. And the light shone from heaven. Jesus said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul was turned around, Saul was turned around. It is found in the story of the limit that Jesus had over Jerusalem, the heart cry of God. And I love this verse. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those sent to it. How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing." We see something of this compassion, this love of God, like a mother reaching out to her brood and caring for them and wanting to embrace them. This is God's desire. He is wanting to embrace us, to take a hold of us, to draw us to himself. The redemptive story is the heart cry of God that has travelled down the corridors of time, calling humanity back to him. He is not just calling us back from a lifestyle that is not pleasing to him, but from a lifestyle that is out of a relationship, a lifestyle that is outside of this relationship with God. Our lives are redeemed in the sense that we were lost from the time of the fall of Adam and Eve. Now through the Lord Jesus, Death and resurrection, we can receive this gift of redemption. To redeem is to buy back. He purchased us back with his own blood, the Lord Jesus. Jesus did this for us. I once shared in a park in Rockhampton many years ago to a young girl that had run away from home. And as I was talking to her, she shared with me, I just want to be free. Now, I was kind of tempted, I didn't, but I was tempted to laugh at that point. Because I was thinking, wouldn't we all just want to be free and just do what we want to do? You know, I don't have to get up in the morning and go uh, to work. I was saying to Lynn, it's a pity the traffic isn't like this on a Monday to Friday, you know, when I was coming here, you know, when I go to the office. Wouldn't it be good to be just free to go off fishing and do that? But we have responsibilities, we have commitments. The good news about that girl is that she ended up going back to her family and many years later had the privilege of performing her marriage and now she has a child herself, some children herself, and if I would ask her, what's this freedom that you were talking about back then? She would have a smile on her face. But you see, many people cry out and they say they're looking for freedom, but as they chase many of the things in the world, it doesn't give freedom and often binds them up, but it's like an addiction. It can trap them, it can wrap them up, and it can pull them away from what life was meant to be. Another word that is closely related to this redemption is reconciliation. And it goes deeper, in a sense, as I look at it, reconciliation, because it it relates more to the restored um, relationship. Redemption is buying us back. Buying us back into what? Buying us back into a relationship, reconciliation. It is a journey from rebellion against God and his ways to coming back through repentance into a relationship. Now, sometimes people think, oh, I wasn't really rebelling against God, but the very fact that we turn our back on him, the very fact that we do our own thing is a rebellion in our heart against his ways and his purposes. Reconciliation is to bring us back into that relationship. It is a journey of coming from being an enemy to becoming a friend of God. Israel had that opportunity of experiencing God's friendship. And I read in Isaiah 41.8, but you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, my friend—beautiful words. The disciples also experience this transition from servant to friends. They came with an attitude that they wanted to serve the master, and in John 15:15 15, 15, it says, "No longer do I call you servants, for the servant servant does not know." What his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all of you have heard from my Father, I have made all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Isn't that beautiful words? This friendship is about a relationship that we're able to be a friend with God, He's still our Lord, He's still our Saviour, He's our King, but we're able to have a relationship with Him. As it says in John 17:3, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, that they may know you. This knowing is, is not just a, a number of facts. Whilst it's good to know a whole lot of things about God, this knowing is deeper than knowing some facts about God. It's actually having a relationship with him. It's knowing him personally. It's, it's walking with him, it's journeying with him, it's communing with him. The Whitcliffe commentary says, and it also addresses this point about this relationship, this redemption or reconciliation is first a restoration of one's relationship with God and second, but not separately, it is the restoration of one's relationship with others. So at the core of the message that we share, at the core of the message that we've come to know about a, a new relation, a restored relationship with God and the opportunity, the possibility to have a relationship with others. It is in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debtors, as we also forgive our debtors. Sometimes I think we forget the second part of that. We have our hearts focused on God looking for Forgiveness, and we forget about the need to forgive others. Um, a year ago, I shared with my cousin on his deathbed and I asked him the question, Have you forgiven those that have uh, wronged you? And he said, It's hard, but I have. And when he made that statement, I knew that uh, I, I, I felt in my heart that. He had honestly considered what forgiveness was because he realised that it's hard, but he had done that and he gave his life to Christ at that point. I asked the same question of a man only this week who only has a short while to live and I asked him, have you forgiven also those that have hurt you? And he said, yes, I have. And we need to. And our relationships with other people is important. It is part of the message. It is part of this restoration. To clarify this point further, the fall of humanity broke our relationship with God and with others, not just with God, but with God and others. The evidence of this can be observed around the world. We look at the mess the world is in today. We look at the brokenness that is in the world today. And we see one country fighting against another country and we scratch our heads and we, we say, how can they do that? And then we have an argument ourselves at home. You know, it comes from even those small seeds in our own lives and spreads across the world that needs to be dealt with. The greatest commandment, as Jesus, Jesus stated, addressed the core issue of humanity. And I read in Matthew 28, 37 to 40, and he said to him, you know, what is the great, the question was, what is the greatest commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbour as yourselves. On these, the two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. The whole of scripture is wrapped up, can be wrapped up in those two statements, the love of the Lord thy God with all we are and our neighbour as ourselves. And so our relationship with God and our relationship with others is at the core of what the gospel message is about. If we have no depth of unity with each other, then... We are struggling in our walk with God. In Romans twelve seventeen to eighteen, it says, "Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all." Now, now, now we are to live peaceably with all as much as it depends on us. And sometimes, as much as it depends on us, others put up a barrier. They put up a block in us trying to love them and trying to care for them. They they, they block us. And I also need to say it is not healthy, and I've said this in other places, it is not healthy to stay in an abusive relationship. It is not healthy. It is not wise. If someone is being abused to the point where it is destroying them, it is not healthy, and that can be, yes, in marriage, it can be in just connecting with people. Maybe it's not healthy for us to connect with some people that we see from time to time. Some people we can't help ourselves. Maybe we work with them. There may be other reasons why. And in John 17, 11, it reminds us that we are to be one. We should also note that this oneness that Jesus describes relates to the experience that is shared by the triune God, as we are one. What a high calling, not just a a simple unity, but the kind of unity that the Trinity has, that they may all be one, just as you, the Father, is in me and I am in you, that they also may be in us. Jesus prayed for this oneness four times in this uh, passage. In... um, over and over again he stated that, that there would be a perfect uh, oneness and there can be no greater oneness than the Trinity and that's what we are to work towards and to seek, this perfect unity. Thus at the missional core is this relationship with each other, our relationship with God and our brothers and sisters in Christ And reaching out into the world we we live in and to love that world. You know, the bitter disputes, the deep conflicts, the bitterness has no place in the life of the church. It has no place in the life of the church. Those behaviours, when they show up in the church, contradict our message. It is sad if we want to go out in the world and we want to tell people about Jesus, but we're arguing amongst ourselves. And we don't want to be like that. We can't. Is it any wonder why the world at times does not listen to the church, because it looks at the church and it sees the things that are going on in the church? A few months ago, I got Debbie to send out a note about around our Queensland churches that there was a need for R.I. teachers within our schools. There were a hundred, a thousand children that couldn't do uh, RI because we didn't have the teachers. And, and one of the things I was talking to the heads of the churches that came out loud and clear is that the, the world seems very interested because many of these were coming from you know, non-Christian backgrounds. They're very interested about Jesus. They're very interested about those spiritual things that, that we share, but they're not interested about what the church has to say. And, and, and we don't like to hear this, but the challenge for us is that what they see in the church at times contradicts what they see and hear about Jesus. And so the challenge for us is to be a people that want to hold true to the message of Jesus and at the core of it is our relationship with God and our relationship with others. And I read in John 13, Thirty-four to thirty-five. A new commandment I give you that you love one another, just as you, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. The core of our message. You know, we we pray to impact our world, and, and, and as we love one another, one of the most powerful a means of our witness is our love for one another. And I know there's a love here for one another. And your desire and my desire to see that love grow, see it strengthen, and in the process of loving one another and getting close to one another, we stand on one another's toes and we we start to see the real picture when we get closer to people. And I don't want people too close to me. They might not like what they see. But the closer we get, the more we need to love one another, the more we need a compassion that supports one another, that encourages one another, that that, that stands beside one another. And, and, And when we struggle, that we pray for one another, that this love would abound and others would want, I want to be a part of that. I want to experience a group of people that love and care and that are open, that are honest, and that say, I'm not perfect, but I'm on this journey and I need help. The church at times sometimes gets sidetracked from the core of the message. We can get sidetracked from the core of the message. Maybe a lot of times we get sidetracked. Maybe to make it more personal, we get sidetracked. Maybe I'll make it even more personal, I get sidetracked. Do you get sidetracked from the core of the message of loving God and loving others? Reminds me of that song, that Matt Redmond sing. I really appreciated uh, Rick's uh, singing, as I often do. Uh, Matt uh, Redmond sang uh, this song. Uh, I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I made it, when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. And worship is a part of that picture. And maybe we could change those words slightly and say... I'm coming back to the heart of the gospel message, which is all about love. It is all about love. It's all about loving God and loving others. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13:1, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. I'm just making a noise. Ah, there's been times in my life When what I've been doing, as I look back, is just making a noise. When it's not about love. But I don't want to make a noise. I don't want to be a clanging symbol. And I know that you don't either. Together, we want to be people that are proclaiming that message of love. It's all about love. As Jesus described, unity is our witness. He stated this twice in the prayer in John 17... So that the world may believe that you sent me. When they, when they see this, this unity, when they see this love, the world says, wow, there is something happening here that doesn't happen anywhere else. Because God's at work. God's at work in the hearts of these people. They love one another. And the second part was, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me, in Verse 23. Twice, you know, 21 and 23 of John chapter 17. This unity can only occur with the quality of God's love. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. The two go hand in hand. You know, we cry out to have that kind of love and we need to allow Jesus into our heart. We need to allow him to control us. We need to allow, to have that relationship with him, to walk with, with him along the journey of life. We need to cry out at times and say, God, I'm struggling with loving this person. I need your help. And allow God to, to love to so touch us and so flow through us. And sometimes, you know, it's praying, but we've got to take the steps towards that person. We've got to act that out and we've got to do it. And as we do, God fills us with the love. And again, this love is our missional core. It forms the kind of relationship that that we are to, to have in the life of the church. It is at the core of what binds us together. Without it, We've lost the core of what the message is really about. But the good news today, in this place, we have a message to share because we love one another and we want to love one another more because we hold to the truth of restoration. We hold to the truth of being reunited with God into a relationship with him. But this, but what has this got to do with the National Vision Statement? We celebrate every time a disciple makes a disciple and the 316 church multiplies itself until there is the transforming presence of Christ in every community in Australia. For that to happen, it talks about the kind of disciples that we are to make. We're to make disciples that just don't know, not just about knowing facts. We're to make disciples that know what it is to love one another. To love God and love one another. We make disciples that we are living out ourselves, that we have to be disciples in order to make disciples. We need to love others in order for that to happen around our world. And as I think of this, I turn to that Great Commission, and sometimes I think we forget about the last part of it, where it says baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all the things I commanded. So, yes, we have to teach the word. And then it comes down to this part, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I am with you always to the end of the age. You know, if that wasn't the case, we might as well give up. And uh, we might as well just start live with the you know, arguments that we have in our communities and our churches and, and say, well, well, that's just normal. But we don't have to because Jesus is with us. Jesus is with us. That moment that we gave our life to Christ through the Holy Spirit, his presence has come into our lives and Jesus is with us and he enables us and empowers us to be able to love. He is the one that transforms us, the transforming presence of Christ when it comes into our lives It transforms the community around us. And this is an ongoing journey. This is the cry of our heart to see this transforming presence. And at its core is this love for God and love for others. So my prayer is that we would not get sidetracked, that we would not go off course in our journey, but that we would stay true to the missional core of the church, which is to love God and to love others. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for my brothers and sisters here in this church. Thank you for Pastor Scott, Lord. I thank you for the leaders. I thank you for all the congregation here, Father. And, Father, I pray that you would encourage them. I pray that together, that myself with them, Lord, would continue to learn what it is to love one another, that we would continue to learn to um, deal with those issues that arise. And as we come closer together, as we see our faults, Lord, that we would not be put off, Lord, but that we would take a step closer, that we would be the people that support one another, that encourage one another, that we would overlook the faults. Love covers a multitude of sins as the scripture says, that we would be that kind of people, Lord. And in doing so, that we would know the transforming presence of Christ is here and this community would powerfully know that too. In Jesus Christ's precious name, amen.